Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. Well, today we continue with our year-long emphasis, Vision 2020. Our goal is to make His mission, of course we're talking about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, His mission, our focus. Now, this idea of vision, I just want to remind you of uh, the definition that I'm working off of. Uh, as mentioned before, businesses have vision plans and vision statements, and that's fine, but we're talking about biblical vision here, and this is the definition that I'd like for you to, to follow with me on. Biblical vision is seeing, beholding, and perceiving the divine communication, which is God's word and his will, with the intention to trust and follow through on that communication. So, not only do we want to look to God and to perceive, we want to uh, gather that information, trust in that information, trust in God, and then put it into practice. Without that complete cycle, you're not fulfilling the vision cycle. You're just acknowledging, hey, God's great, and this is wonderful, and this is what we need to be doing, and then you sit there and don't do anything about it. That, that really is not the, what an authentic and genuine follower of Christ should be. So that's the basic idea that we're talking about. Now, last week I introduced the first of about three-part series here uh, concerning the concerning series. We looked at concerning the resurrection. Today it's going to be concerning the ascension. And then the next week will be concerning Pentecost. So all these events that we're talking about. But... The message today is a tie-over between the resurrection and the ascension. So we need to kind of saddle back and forth a little bit between these and remind ourselves. Remember, this last Sunday we talked about on Super Sunday. Uh, the real Super Sunday was Easter resurrection. It changes everything. And as I told you last week, I'll just repeat it. It changes defeat into victory, despair into hope, darkness into light, doubt and confusion into purpose and vision. So that's what we're looking on for that. So let's look today at Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 in this issue. So if you go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1 because we will actually do about 11 verses there. But uh, this as in addition to the series concerning and this changes everything theme, we'll be moving into a series of messages working through the book of Acts. Now, it won't be quite the same as with John where we did every, pretty much every verse all the way through. But the main themes, because the, the book of Acts is uh, really a history book and a guidebook of the mission of the early church, which was the mission of God. And if we want God's mission to be ours, then it's good to look at what the early church, the first 30, 40, 50 years of, of the church did after the resurrection and what it means. So... Acts 1, the former account I made, O Theophilus. Now, I'll stop there to kind of get up to date. Who is this I? Well, we think it's Luke, the same guy who wrote the book of Luke. And if you look in Luke chapter 1, I think it's verse 3 or 4, 
he addresses it to Theophilus as well. So it's really this is a two-part series. Part one is Luke and part two is Acts, which follows up. So this is why I'm tying it in and showing you that we're moving from all that Jesus did, uh, both to do and teach, is what Luke was all about, up until the day in which he was taking up, and that's today's focus on the ascension. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So, Luke is writing a second series to Theophilus. Now, Theophilus is more than likely an individual, but it also means in Greek, love, uh, lover of God. So it could be to the church as a whole, but it, that's not really the point. Theophilus is not the point. It's Jesus and his mission here. But a key point here that I'm tying, trying to tie over is, is in verse 3. To whom he presented himself alive by many infallible proofs. Because you see, last week I talked about the resurrection changes everything. And without the resurrection, we're, we're pretty much a lost cause. Uh, we're, we're still, we'd still be waiting uh, for the, the final redemptive shoot, in a sense, to drop. But just to remind you of some of the appearances of Jesus. Eyewitness accounts. To Mary Magdalene at the tomb, to the other women at the empty tomb. You've noticed the first two accounts uh, of the Jesus' appearance were to women. And the importance of that is, and I've said this before, women don't get your feelings hurt, okay? But the reason that I mention this is, in first century uh, Israel, women's could, women could not be called uh, in court. Their opinion basically didn't matter. And you may say we're still that way today. But uh, their, their opinion didn't matter, and they, they wasn't counted. Uh, no better than really a slave. So one of the evidences, and I'll do more on this on Easter Resurrection Sunday, which is about two or three months away, uh, give you some more proofs, evidences. But who in their right mind would choose to give the least valid uh, witness about an issue that's so important? You know, certainly they would have made up, said, you know, that the high priest and this and that and all these men did it. But no, it, it was the women they started off with. And so, ladies, you are the real, the real pioneers in this area of, of obedience and faithfulness. So keep it up and forget what men say about you. You just go out ahead. All right. The two who followed their way to Emmaus, Cleopas, I talked about this last week, and probably his wife, to Peter in Jerusalem, to ten of the disciples in Jerusalem, Thomas absent. Remember, Jesus was crucified on a, well, we think, on a Friday, put in the tomb on Friday evening, Saturday, and on the third day, he rose. Well, he appeared that night, Sunday night, to his disciples without, without Thomas. Of course, Judas had already hung himself. He was out of the picture. But the next week, one week later on Sunday evening, he came, or Sunday, he came and Thomas was there. So he saw him the next time. And then to the disciples at Lake Galilee. Remember last week when I told about uh, all the, the disciples went out fishing? And they came back in and Jesus was there on the shore with the fire and the bread and the fish? That's that scene where Jesus appeared to them. Then... He went back, and they went back to Jerusalem, and that's where the ascension takes place. Now, Paul, in his writings, mentions 500 believers at one time. I believe that was this, this number, this last one here, the ascension, 
there were 500 plus people there who saw Jesus, saw his resurrected scars, and then watched him ascend into heaven. Now, if that's not proof, then uh, I don't know what is. You know, the, the fact of that evidence, because those 500 people, they were still alive 30 years later when Luke and Acts was being wrote. They were still alive 40 years later when John wrote about it. They could have disproved it easily, but they didn't because it was true. So, we can be assured of the infallible proof of the resurrection. And that gives us confidence. But, not lessening the resurrection any, but the resurrection wasn't enough. Just like the cross wasn't enough. The cross paid the penalty of our sin. The resurrection uh, gave us victory over death. But you see, if Jesus hadn't ascended into heaven and taken the right-hand throne of God, he wouldn't be able to mediate for us, and we would still be in that sort of limbo zone there. So we want to get a vision 2020 concerning the ascension. Because just like last week, the resurrection, well, the ascension, this changes everything too. So just like so last week I gave you four or five points of why and what the resurrection means to us and how that revitalizes us. We've got to continue on with the series. Because really this is almost a, a six-part series. You've got the birth of Jesus. You had to have the birth of Jesus in order to have the death of Jesus. You had to have the death of Jesus before you had the resurrection. You had to have the resurrection before you could have the ascension. And the ascension before Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then the, the, you had to have the second coming of Christ to close all things out. So you see it's a, one big large uh, uh, portrait of things that's going on. And we need to realize they all fit together and that all of them have been accomplished ex except for Jesus' return. But since five out of six have happened, don't you think probably the sixth one's going to happen too? So I think we can be very confident of that. So let's look at the ascension. In Luke chapter 1, I've already read the first three verses. Let's look at the next section and then we kind of break it down a little bit uh, on these things. And be assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, another passage of Scripture gives that 10 days. So it's actually 10 days. This is, Ascension is day 40 after the resurrection. He ascends, and then 10 more days, and then Pentecost. Pick back up with verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, there's a whole different message in, in, in that, you know, those verses. But the key thing here is we don't need to try to be figuring out everything about the future. We just need to be knowing that God's got it under control. And we need to be living here and now fully devoted to Christ. And when Christ comes, whatever comes, we're ready. So that's the, the key here. Let's finish up the last uh, four or five verses. And this is the one we read earlier. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, Jesus ascended, was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Probably the same two 
uh, angels who appeared at the tomb to the women. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up for you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Well, that kind of lays the foundation for this. Let's kind of work through it a little bit with a few points about what and why the ascension changes everything. Number one, it signaled the successful end of his earthly ministry and symbolizes Christ's exaltation by the Father. Now, Philippians 2, 9 is a, is a wonderful passage that goes along with it. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, Christ, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and on earth and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should, read it with me, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so Jesus was born, lived a perfect human flesh life. Of course, he was God in flesh. And then he died a physical death. His body literally died. It wasn't some swooning. It wasn't something. His body died. Now, his spirit, we know, went on just as everyone's spirit goes on. Then he was in the tomb three days. Then he resurrected and walked upon the earth for, off and on for 40 days. Well, if Jesus would have stayed that way here on earth, our salvation and redemption would not be complete. Jesus had to follow through on the ascension. That means he had to put a, a period and close out book one and get ready for book two. What's going to happen after that? We can't live with Jesus still on the earth or still on the cross or still walking around. That's not the case. Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father, exalted, and that is why we can trust in God and his mission and purpose and follow through that one. Okay, secondly, the ascension was necessary for the giving of the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple of these I'm not going to really talk too much about. It. I'm just giving you the, the, the seven of them. The seven to outline that this is the overarching thing. Next week at Pentecost, as we talk about Pentecost, and the other weeks we'll be talking more about this one. But you'll see about how he says... And he will lead up, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. He says, tarry in the city until you are endued from power on high. So Jesus, when he was getting ready to ascend, he said, listen, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And then 10 days later, the Holy Spirit's going to follow you. Stay, be obedient, and follow through. So without the Holy Spirit, we would not have access to God through Jesus. Our prayers wouldn't be answered. Our sins wouldn't be forgiven. The Holy Spirit is that connection. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in. Some people call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but some others kind of use it in a different text and context, and that's not what I'm talking about. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is salvation. When you accept Jesus Christ, Lord, and say the Holy Spirit comes in, because without the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. You need that Holy Spirit. So that's the power. We'll talk more about that. So let's move on. It allowed Christ to prepare a place for us. Now, I read this scripture at nearly every funeral that I do. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive to myself that where I am, there you may be also. 
We don't need to worry about anything. We don't need to worry about the future. No, it's nice to study prophecy, and I, I love to study prophecy and understand everything that goes on with that. But you know what we need to do is, is trust that Jesus has it under control. And that we live our lives faithfully obedient here and now. And it doesn't matter what the future holds. Whether we're raptured, which I happen to believe, whether we're raptured taken up, or whether as some Christians believe we'll go through part of it or through all of it, through the tribulation, it, it doesn't matter. We just need to be faithful to God. Good times, bad times, no matter what. And Jesus, when he ascended, he moved into, he, he used his carpentry skills as from his, uh, from his uh, growing up to begin building our mansions in heaven. Now, whether that's literal mansions or whatever, I, I don't think we're going to be worried about the streets of gold and gates of pearl when we get to heaven because all we're going to see is Jesus, and that's all that's going to matter to the Father. So, but it's going to be amazing. God is, Jesus is preparing a place for us for 2,000 years. He's been preparing. Up until that time, obviously, the mansions were not there because it says he's going to do that. So the ascension was important to prepare a place for us so that, that we have a place for us. And it's a wonderful place. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Amen? No eye, no ear can conceive, conceive. No mind what is waiting for us. It's going to be so much better than streets of gold and gates of pearl. So much better than that. And uh, I'm excited about it. I hope you are. I hope you've made your reservations and that you're on the list. And as I said earlier, if not, we're taking reservations uh, at the end of the service. Amen. All right, number four. It gives us access to God's throne for mercy and grace. 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, this verse is talking to Christians. It's not talking about lost people, even though God, the God will forgive lost people too if they come to know him. But this, what this is talking about here is that Jesus, when he ascended, he became our advocate, our mediator, and fulfilled that role of the one, the paraclete, the one called alongside, in a sense, almost like a legal and spiritual uh, lawyer for us to guide us. Without the ascension, of course, that means without the resurrection, without the crucifixion, without the birth, but without the ascension, we would not have access to God's throne because Jesus wouldn't be exalted. He wouldn't be there. He has to be there. He is standing at the right-hand throne of God, interceding for us 24-7. And I'll talk more about this on the last point. Let me give you one, uh, one more verse here, Hebrews 4, 14, 16. Since then we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, ascended. Remember, we timed the ascension with all this. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Read that last verse with me, please. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, who here wants mercy and grace? No, nobody, nobody wants mercy and grace? We want mercy and grace. We're, we're, without the birth, 
the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ, we would not have access to the throne of God. We should be celebrating that, the ascension and the whole complete work of this. Mercy and grace is ours. And number five, when Jesus ascended, the church was empowered to accomplish his mission. Now, this is another point that I'm going to work through in the next few weeks. I'm not going to talk too much about it. But it talks about go in all the world and preach the gospel uh, and do those things. And remember, he also said, you know, the great empowerment, but you shall be my witnesses. So we'll talk more about that. But I just want you to keep that in mind, that the ascension is more than one or two things. It's at least these seven. I actually had to cut it down from seven, from, from more to, to, to seven because it was so many things. But the church, us, we've been empowered. Our mission is based upon the fact of Jesus' ascension. Because if he hadn't ascended, he couldn't have sent the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus was the receptacle of the Holy Spirit while he was here. But the Holy Spirit was only where Jesus was. Jesus could only be in one place at a time here on earth. But when he ascended to heaven, was able to send the Spirit. It can be everywhere with anyone at any time. That's the blessing of the ascension and how it ties with the other aspects. And number six, it sets the pattern for and a desire for Christ's return. Now, I had mentioned earlier that we shouldn't be so obsessed with, with the end times, but we do need to be looking forward to it. Every morning, we should look up the sky and say, Lord, is it today is the day you're coming? And then you may want to practice your rapture, you know, bounce up a little bit so you'll be ready just in case you need to go. You could help them out a little bit there. But the ascension sets the stage, sets the stage for the Holy Spirit to come down, but it also sets a pattern for how Jesus is going to return. The, the next thing after the Pentecost, Acts 1, 9 through 11, I'll reread it. Now, when Jesus spoke in these things while they watched, Jesus was taken up, ascended, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, and as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? And this is the key at part. This same Jesus, who was ascended, taken up from you into heaven, will so return and come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So we're not going to be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised in the end because it's, he's going to come just like he left. He's just going to follow through. Now, it's been a couple thousand years in between, but, you know, I, you know Jesus is, and God's clock's a little different than ours. You know, it's, it's been like, like a second uh, for them. But that's retired. So we should be looking forward. The ascension motivates us to be excited about the return of Jesus because it's the return of Jesus that closes things out here on this earth, sends Satan and his demons to, heaven, to hell, and heaven will come down to earth and we will be with him forever. You see, all these things are necessary. God has it all worked out, and he has been 100% accurate and on time every step of the way up to this point. So as I said earlier, why in the world would you even have any shadow of a doubt that the rest of it is not going to follow through? Okay, the last one. The ascension removes the devil from God's courtroom and breaks the power of this evil age. Now, it appears that Satan... Now, whether he's doing that exactly right now, but up until this point, Jesus, uh, Satan had full access to the throne, and every time somebody died, Satan would accuse them and say, no, they're mine. Well, Jesus is now standing up there, and as people die, believers die, and Satan begins his ramp, he just said, whoop, you step away. 
This is my child. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come in. So Satan's voice is being erased from any impact in the court of heaven for believers. Now, Satan is the uh, judge, jury, and the, the jailer for those who are lost. So if you're here today and you're not 100% sure of salvation, Satan's going to take you. And I'm not trying to scare you. Well, I guess I am. I want you to be scared a little bit. Yeah, but you need to be aware that that is not where you want to be. You want to stand. You, when you die, now, because a lot of people say, I sure hope my good outweighs my bad. I was watching a, a TV show last night. And, uh, oh, that's right. It was the movie, Courageous. Thank you. I was wondering when it was, but we watched the movie Courageous, and the, the guy said, well, I, I hope my good outweighs my bad. Well, if you're relying on that, you're in bad shape. Now, you, you're welcome to do that. You're welcome to make any wrong decision you want. But if you want to be right, or if you want to at least be on the, the betting odds, now, I'm not a betting man. Never been to a casino. I don't even buy raffle tickets. But uh, if you were a betting person, the chance, there's at least, let's just say 2% chance that the Bible is right. Okay, let's just say 2%. You want to risk all your eternity on some human philosophy or idea when, well, I think I'm going to go with this. This has the, the best evidence. It's been, it's been, seems the most proof and the most evidence in life change and miracles. The devil wants to take you. He's out to get you. Even as a believer, he's trying to trip you up. But I want you to know something. Because of the birth, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ, we no longer have to fear. Satan is a toothless lion now. His roar is still there, but we don't have to worry about it. But you've got to be close to the throne of God. You've got to be in fellowship with Jesus. You've got to have the armor of God as in Ephesians 6, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith and sword of the spirit. We have to trust and believe. And that's where this, our faith comes in, our belief comes in. Just ignoring that, that things are out there doesn't make the difference. Let's read one more verse, and I want you to read it with me. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. Would you read it, please? O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We've got victory. Let's start living that way. But you've got to claim it. You've got to acknowledge the birth of Jesus Christ and his divine birth. You've got to acknowledge the perfect sacrifice on the cross and his death and burial in a tomb and his authentic and infallible proof of resurrection and 40 days later his ascension into heaven. And by the way, 10 more days from now, technically 7. But 10 days in biblical language, we're going to be at Pentecost. So next Sunday, we're going to have Pentecost here. So we're not going to be swinging from the rafters or anything like that, I don't think. But Pentecost in the biblical sense of acknowledging the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit. The ascension changes everything. Or should I, I should say, this can change everything for you. It changes everything for the believer, if you choose. I hope that today that you will take the things that I've said and make a choice.
intentional and deliberate choice to consistently be an authentic and genuine follower of Christ. Celebrate the birth, the death, the resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And then next week we'll add on Pentecost. What a blessing we have. What a victory. Why are you living in defeat? Why are you letting Satan, why are you letting family or friends or the world pull on you, tear you down, say things to you and rob you? Just turn it away. Turn it over to Jesus. And somebody comes up to you, uh, it was a, a story that a man walked to the door and knocked on the door and, and uh, doubt was there, metaphorically speaking, doubt was there. So he yelled back, hey, Faith, come up here. No, not this Faith here, but Faith, come on up here. And Faith took over and over out. We've got to call upon Faith in God. We've got to call upon our obedience. But you have to make that choice. And I'd like to invite you to make that choice today and right here. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard in the message or read in the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. Or if you prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.